This week on Florida's Fourth Estate, as people in Florida still recover after Hurricane Michael, the incredible cry for help, the ingenious way a family in the panhandle sent out an SOS that caught the attention of a satellite. And a convenience store owner finds out people will microwave just about anything. He started realizing that his microwave had some stank. You won't believe the sign he had to put up on the store's microwave. And to infinity and beyond. Our guest today is CBS News correspondent and space expert Bill Harwood. We talk about Elon Musk, SpaceX, the race to space, and why it's so important we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. There was a thing in Challenger that was a big deal. It was called schedule pressures, where they're under so much pressure to maintain a schedule that they cut some corners on safety, and, and the cha- that was one of the causes of the Challenger accident. Hi there, and welcome to another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. So glad to have you with us this week. Mm-hmm. We've got another barn burner. Yeah, we do. I'm Matt Austin. And I'm Ginger Gadsden. We are delighted. We, we're going to have a lot of things to talk about today, but we are delighted about our guest, as we always are. It's CBS News' Bill Harwood, and I just call him a space guru because he, he knows everything. He's a legend. Oh, my gosh. No, seriously. I've talked to him before several times, as we all have. Mm-hmm. And you can ask him anything, and it's just like breathing for him. And I love talking to people like like Mr. Harwood, and I call you Mr. Harwood because out of respect, <laughs> because <laughs> yes. it's uh, it's going to be a great a great conversation. There's a lot going on oh, yeah. out there, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And we're going to figure. She means ask. the coast. <laughs> 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 I mean, and if I don't space. really know the answer. I'll fake it. So you yeah, think exa- I know exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, yeah. you, you got me believing anyway. So we'll talk to you in just a moment. But right. we always talk about some Florida stories. Yep. And sometimes the stories aren't very flattering about Floridians. But this one, I find. It makes us look really good, you know. I agree. We, Better than we probably should. Oh my gosh! So we we are still going through Hurricane Michael when we're this recording is happening a week and a day after Michael yeah. made landfall, and one of the things that's so interesting, most of the people there in the in Panama City in the Panhandle got cut off from the rest of the world, mm-hmm. and people were trying no up, cell service, n- nothing, yeah. nothing, and so you don't know if your loved one's alive or whatever. Well, this woman, she lives in, it's a niece. She lives in another state. She was wondering if her aunt and uncle were okay in the panhandle, couldn't get in touch with them. And so, you know, they fly these satellites so they can get the imagery of the damage, right? It's like right? an active satellite. Yeah. It's more up to date. And yes, exactly. And so you see the damage that's done, and they're looking at the images, and they're like, that spells out help. It's something like you would see on Gilligan's Island. Yes. Like they spell help out in coconut. <laughs> but these people, they chopped up wood and spelled out help. The satellite picked it up. The niece knew that's where my aunt and uncle are, and that's how she knew they were alive. Right. I find that just spectacular. And how ingenious on their part to think to do that. I don't know yeah, if I would, sp- like, how do you even get it big enough? to be seen by satellite. Like, and to see it on work. a satellite, I could see a helicopter flying over, <laughs> but drone. the fact that somebody took the time to check out that particular yeah. satellite, zoom into that particular area, and we have a picture there. I don't even know I, if I'd, I'd have thought like, it was bushes because I'm, I'm that first oblivious of all, I'm, I'm to things. I'm looking at that. That doesn't even look real. It looks like someone took a Sharpie and just wrote that on <laughs> our does. screen. Yeah. I mean, the look at how strange. That's all wood. Yeah. Like things, you know, trees that fell. They must have wonderful handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm thinking and if they could do that with well, trees. And, and you know, guys, uh, commercial satellite imaging is a really big deal these days. There's a lot of commercial companies out there that'll sell you mm -hmm. satellite imagery of places anywhere really in the world. And some of those companies come up in disasters like this uh, and photograph the areas in detail to try to help out uh, rescue first responders, sure. uh, things like that. So it's just an interesting application of that. But like you said, very clever somebody to think of that yeah. and spell out help on the beach. That's, yeah. that's, that's crazy. That's that is just unreal. I Stuff mean, that you don't even realize. I would take the shortcut and spell SOS. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably would have gotten half an H. And they would have been like, why is there a sideways T out there? <laughs> I don't understand. I'd been tired. It's yeah, hot. So that's. I think that's just. One I of think the that's cool stories probably one there. of the coolest stories yeah. uh, for sure. Another one that was really interesting is I've always lived in Florida for decades, just like you guys have lived here forever, and I've always wondered what it would be like to not have to worry about hurricanes. You yeah. know what? What if my house were oh, impenetrable? Oh. Well. When we saw some video of the damage out in Mexico Beach, everybody realized that there was this one house that was standing out there. And there's just wreckage everywhere. Houses moved off the foundation. And this one house called the Sand Palace was still standing. Turns out the owners spent tons of money, millions of dollars, to reinforce this thing. And now it did have some damage. Uh, some stairs got knocked off of sure. it. But they kind of built it, it in a way that. that if the stairs got torn off, it wouldn't tear the rest of the house up. And so you get to have a beach house in this beautiful place in Florida with sort of minimal damage, certainly compared to everybody else. That design is crazy, though. But it was built to withstand winds up to 250 miles per hour, I believe, or something crazy yeah, I, like that. I and Michael that. had something like 155 miles per hour. Are, so. Is that a possibility ever? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's the wall, all the walls are standing. And when you look at it, especially when you see it from above, there was drone footage that captured it. And the rest of it looked like a... A, like a junkyard lumber yard or yeah. something and then there's this pristine building standing right yeah, in the middle the of it new york times did a did a that's a, yeah story on that house. it's amazing because everything around it's totally wiped out it's and obliterated that house is perfectly intact it yeah looks like anyway. they made it out of rocket parts yeah or but i don't know how, how can the average person <laughs> afford that that's they what you can't. would can't <laughs> the simple answer the to that moral is of this story is... i couldn't afford the lot much less the house <laughs> to that place yeah, so they spent a lot of money and i guess they're happy they did at this point yeah certainly worth it yeah all right well we've talked about some serious stuff uh time to just talk about a little bit of the weird that comes in florida so there's this guy who owns a 7-eleven yeah right that's and not weird no that's Ooh, not weird okay. i'm not there yet oh so <laughs> this guy who, getting there. oh i'm getting there fast hang on hold on tight <laughs> Uh, we're about to pull some G's here to the weirdness. So uh, he started realizing that his microwave had some stank. Uh -huh. And people started complaining when they were heating stuff up in a microwave. Which, yes. by the way, I've never heated it. I've never gone to a 7-Eleven to heat anything up. Like, oh, hey, I have this random bag of popcorn. I'm Knocked just going to pop it, it in anyway. Anyway, so it smelled like pee. It smelled like urine. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so he realized that people were coming in. There's a, there's a place very close by. <laughs> where urine tests happen for drug tests. Mm -hmm. And he figured out that people were taking their urine from someone else, bringing it and heating it up in his microwave so it seemed more legit, like it came from your body. And then they were taking it to the place. So he had to put up this sign, which... I'm instantly not using this microwave. If they put this in the office microwave, I won't ever use it again. Only for food use, do not warm urine. Keep microwave clean. Thanks. You know, I never thought you'd have to put a sign like that hey. anywhere, but <laughs> there it is, and it's in Florida. I just, but you know, the people who have to have the 
urine tested, I guess it makes sense. You can't show up with cold urine. Yeah. It just wouldn't seem I right. I think that would throw you, off. You'd have bigger issues if that were your real. For sure. Yeah. We need to get you to a hospital. <laughs> your urine is 63 degrees. <laughs> I could talk about how they recycle urine on the space station. Oh, God. You know what? But I'm going to let this one go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, does it involve a microwave? <laughs> no, okay. it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I have kids in the house, so we have a sign like that on our fridge. Don't oh. pee in the fridge. But outside of that, we're, that's uh, just awful. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of something. I, I, it's it's just oh, it's just a little yeah. queasy. Just Sorry. had to make you a little sick in Thank the show you. today. It Thank gets you. Uh, well. Here's something that is it getting better from here? Well, not right now. <laughs> not exactly. Okay. It will once we get to the interview, <laughs> and we're almost there. We have one story. We got to talk about our Floridian of the week, and this is the first time in all of our shows that we're going with the Floridian. Idiots of the oh. week. Oh, and, uh, and I'm your guest today. No, you <laughs> no, are. We do it every week. Yeah. We do this every week. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the smartest man at the table. No, no, no. Okay, uh, so uh, basically they have these stings, uh, and I it is I hate the fact that they have to do this and that people show up to these, uh, but uh, they have these stings where uh, young they pretend to, undercover cops pose as a young girl online, and then sure. all these guys come in and they net them, and I. And they are weird shirts on and all this stuff. But it is always enjoyable to watch cops take them to the ground with the dog barking. So here, enjoy sounds of your Floridians of the Week getting taken down. Do it now! So I don't understand how we have these stories all the time, and it is like moth to a flame for these guys it's like to shooting show fish up. In a barrel. It is. It's frustrating. It's terrifying as a dad with three daughters. Yeah. It, it just makes me sick. But it just tells you it's really a problem for them because they know there is a high risk that it could be a sting, and they show up anyway. Can, can I tell you about the dumbest one of them all, though? Oh, do. Oh yeah. There's this one guy. His excuse to the police. You're not going to believe this, Bill. Even though I'm telling it to you. <laughs> He told them, I knew this was going to be a sting. I just thought it would be cool to come and see it live happen. Oh, yeah. And he thought that was going to get him out of it. Oh, it's like watching a surgery. <laughs> right? Is that how Except that it's your face <laughs> and it's getting attacked by a German shepherd. What? So, yeah, he, these he are the people. He knew it was happening. We're living around. And he was just. That's what he said. That's what, of course. You know, that was a pretty interesting excuse. Okay, I really. Uh, now I'm dying to talk about space. <laughs> yes, let's talk about space. Bill's <laughs> like, please. Yeah, and, you know, there is no one better to talk about all things space related than CBS News' Bill Harwood. Thank you so much for oh, being sure. here today. We love talking to you and getting to pick your brain because right now, how exciting is it? to be talking about space during the era we're in right now? You know what, it's, it's really a, a sea change. You know, if you've been around since the shuttle stopped flying back in 2011, where you had you know six or seven shuttle flights a year and all this other stuff, and then all of a sudden it just almost dropped off the map. And you can go talk to people in middle America that aren't even sure we have a space program today. Mm -hmm. uh, but now uh, we've got Boeing and SpaceX are building commercial cruise ships to carry astronauts back and forth to the space station. And NASA is building its own spaceship, the Orion capsule, mm -hmm. building a gigantic rocket called the Space Launch System that's going to be bigger than the old Saturn V from the Apollo program. All of these things are right on the cusp of happening. The commercial cruise ships, presumably anyway, are going to start flying next year. Uh, and then the Space Launch System is going to come shortly thereafter. So very exciting times. The Trump administration has endorsed a return to the moon for the first time since... Uh, the turn of the century, really, to make mm -hmm. that the national goal. 
Uh, and, you know, they're talking about putting a small space station in orbit around the moon to serve as a test ground for eventual flights down to the surface and then later on to Mars. So all of that's in the mix right now. It's, it's very exciting stuff. And, of course, over at the Kennedy Space Center, you've got all these rockets starting to fly. And it's pretty exciting. We had a good launch we just the other night. We love seeing that. Yeah, we yeah. love seeing that. Did you that. think we would be here? I remember covering the last shuttle landing. It was kind of a somber moment out there. Absolutely. Everybody, you know, we knew that something was coming, but it was really uh, all just thoughts at that point. Um, I had surprised? the opposite reaction. I'm surprised it took this long. Really? You know, at the at, back in 2004, a little trip down memory lane here, that's when President Bush said, let's finish the space station, retire the shuttle, and let's go back to the moon. And then that program sort of withered on the vine. The Obama administration decided it wasn't affordable, took the moon off the table and said, let's think about maybe exploring some asteroids and, you know, this long term, let's go to Mars in the 2030s or something. Yeah. And so the, the funding and everything for these commercial cruise ships and getting these things off the ground really got stretched out. Uh, so I'm really surprised it's taken this long that uh, that America has been willing to rely on the Russians, paying at this point something like 81 million dollars a seat carry people up on the Soyuz, uh, I wish it had happened a lot sooner. It seems unseemly that, you know, here the, here's the country that won the race to the moon, built the space shuttle, led the building of the International Space Station, and yet we don't have a U.S. rocket that can put people yeah. in space. We're using Russia as our Uber up it, to space. Yeah, right. which was really surprising because, you know, at 80 million plus per seat, is that each time they go up? But we have a contract with them, right? right. Yeah, and we, that's about to expire. We had contracts that... Uh, that covers the launch and the landing for that okay. that astronaut. Uh, yeah, the the last U.S. seat on a Soyuz is occupied on a flight next July, and after that there are no more Soyuz seats for American astronauts. And so there's a bit of pressure on Boeing and SpaceX and NASA to get these new spacecraft tested, make sure they're safe, and start being able to launch people on them uh, from U.S. soil. That just being able to do that, launching American astronauts on American rockets oh. from American soil is a big deal since it's been so long since we've had that capability. Yeah, and speaking of safety, we just saw the Soyuz have mm -hmm. a pretty big mishap. Everybody's okay, but can you kind of explain what happened there? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. The Soyuz is one of the most reliable rockets in the world. They've been launching these things for decades. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, they've only had two launch aborts in the whole history of the Russian human space program, and the last one of those was 35 years ago. So this is clearly a reliable rocket. This is not a design flaw. It clearly is a, you know, a malfunction of some sort of bad piece of equipment. Something didn't get installed properly. They think one of the strap-on boosters on the side of the rocket, as it was separating two minutes after launch, perhaps it hit the central stage by accident. Something didn't release properly. It crashed into the, the central stage. Mm -hmm. That forced a shutdown, and then that automatically triggered this abort where the spacecraft pulls itself away from the rocket and then they land at about 250 miles downrange. But that's a that's an e-ticket ride right there. I don't know that you'd want that ride. Yeah. They weren't expecting it. It's all automatic. happens in a blink of an eye. But sure. it all worked. And it that's did a, what it was supposed that's to a credit, do. That's a credit to the Russian uh, technology. Yeah, because that, that really is the workhorse Absolutely. of their force. And, you know, the the American astronaut who was going up, it was his first time going up yeah. into space. Yeah. What a ride that yeah. was. And he's excited to go back up. But he said, you know, moments after liftoff, he knew from the violent shaking that oh, yeah. this was not going to happen. No, when the when that abort system kicked in, or actually right before the abort system kicked in, they were you could see him in the video, and I interviewed him last week, as a matter of fact, when uh, by satellite from Houston, and uh, he said it was just a shock. You know, it was like instantaneous. Uh, but he said the training kicked in. You know, they spent years preparing. They practiced all these procedures. 
Uh, and he said it was just automatic. He and the commander uh, just started working through the checklist. Didn't even panic. Everything, everything worked out just fine. I saw some video from inside <laughs> the capsule. It looked like a really jarring. Yeah, when this happened, it was pretty jarring. And then, you know, they get slammed back in their seats as these escape rockets fire. And then they're weightless because they're going up. And as they come over, they're weightless. And then when they start back down into the lower atmosphere, it really slows down fast. And they pick up, I think they reached 6.7 Gs. So they weighed <sighs> about seven times what they normally do. Which, which is not something that would be dangerous or anything like that, but it would get your attention. It would make me queasy. Absolutely. I, I mean, sure. just watching the video, I was screaming just, you know, because, I mean, of course they train for this, and that's why sure. I'm not an astronaut. It's not the only reason. But <laughs> I think you're too tall to be an astronaut. <laughs> not true. I think Meg Massimino is like a tall guy, and he's like, yeah, what a, yeah, he's, yeah. I like him a whole lot. So talk about, this is why it's so important, though, you know, coming up in 2019 mm. when that contract does run out, you know, Boeing and SpaceX, they're making that, they're right. having, you know, a competition to get back up to the ISS or get us back into space, launching American-built, you know, right. rockets and launching it from... American soil for the first time since 2011. That is so important, and it has to happen. You know, it, it does, but it's one of those things that always raises in the back of your mind. Uh, there was a thing in Challenger that was a big deal. It was called scheduled pressure. It's where they're under so much pressure to maintain a schedule that they cut some corners on safety, and, and the that was one of the causes of the Challenger accident. I think one of the big concerns right now among management and also among SpaceX and Boeing, you don't want to get to the point where okay, guys, we, we really have to make this happen mm -hmm. to the point that you, you succumb to schedule pressure and maybe there's some yeah. oversights or you cut a corner you shouldn't cut. So there is pressure. There's no question the clock is ticking on all that. But I think the big drive is, well, let's, let's all be real careful about how we do this. And because of the Soyuz failure has interrupted the way they're going to keep the station, uh, get astronauts up and yeah. down, from the end of December until about April, there will only be three people on the station because one of these crews didn't get there. Uh, it's going to be difficult to do the testing they need to do on these spacecraft uh, with a limited number of people in orbit, so it's unclear yet how the Soyuz uh, setback might play into this commercial crew thing. It might stretch that out even more. Uh, certainly it's got everybody's attention focused on it yeah. and, the, and the safety systems and such, so it's going to be a very interesting next several months to see how they manage all that sure. and keep it safe. Could yeah. we possibly see, I'm sorry, so could we possibly see the the ISS unoccupied for the first time or that won't likely happen? It, it, the only way that would happen, I'll back up for a second, so there's three people on the station right now. Mm -hmm. If Nick Haig and, and Alexei Ovchinin had gotten there last week, right, they, the three up there now could have gone home and then they'd launch a fresh crew that would join the other two guys, but those two guys didn't get there. They got to get a crew there, and the guys that are on there now can't stay past the end of the year, really early January, because that's when the Soyuz certification runs out. They're only certified for about 210 days in orbit. They hit that date in early January, so they've got to come home in early January. If there's a problem in this accident investigation, I know I've made this probably too complicated, no, but no, no, no. if there's We're a problem in the accident investigation and you can't get a crew up there before the end of the year, then yes. They would have to come home anyway, in which case you would you would de-staff or demand the station. And they'd have to operate it by remote control and hope nothing went wrong. Yeah, but what happens wow. to all those experiments that they're conducting Well, the, up the there? research would stop in that case. Uh, I mean, there's some automated experiments on board, but the hands-on stuff would stop. Uh, the big deal would be to leave the station in a, in a way that, that ground controllers can run it, make sure it stays safe. But the problem there is that if a major system fails, 
you know, then this has happened many times during the life of the station where the astronauts have to do a spacewalk yeah. to fix something or do some maintenance. If you don't have somebody there and you can't do that maintenance, you face the possibility of a, of a problem that could get worse and worse, right? So nobody wants to get everybody off the station. If there's any way the Russians can launch before the end of the year, they will. Yeah, when we're talking about space, we're talking about life and death here. Absolutely. We're talking about big, important decisions being made. And now that public companies are making a lot of these big decisions, a lot yeah. of people have worried, you know, is the safety gonna go down? You started touching on that. Well, one of the guys really in charge of that is a guy who was just seen smoking weed on a podcast, just Which like ours. We will not, well, no, we're not smoking weed on this one. We're though. not gonna okay. do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, probably any day. Let's agree. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we can all agree on that right now. Um, but so Elon Musk, he is this kind of controversial character. Does that? Do you think that when he does public things like that, that that maybe hurts not only his image with Tesla, but him um, as a? It, it very well might. I don't know. I've interviewed Elon Musk on a number of occasions, but I've never, you know, the the thing you're talking about, I certainly haven't witnessed, and so I don't have a, a, an opinion on that. I would guess it it would color the way some people think about it. But he's a brilliant uh, person. There's no question no about yeah. that. Yeah. And I believe he's got a very good team running SpaceX. Uh, Gwen Shotwell, the, the uh, chief financial officer, president of the company, uh, and a team of engineers that I've got pretty good confidence in. I mean, they've launched more than 60 rockets with a single, only one in-flight mm -hmm. failure in that whole time. I mean, that's a really remarkable achievement. And, and you know, when you think about safety, the other thing to keep in mind is it's to no one's advantage you know, to cut a corner or have a problem. Uh, they, don't, they don't want that to happen. They want their spacecraft to be as safe as is humanly possible. Uh, and I think they're doing everything they can to, to do that. You know, how Elon Musk, you know, plays into all that, I don't know. But, you know, he's a, he's a big believer in spaceflight. He's a big fan of spaceflight. And I have no doubt they're leaving no stone unturned to make these things as safe as possible. Yeah, and he certainly has gotten a lot of other people interested in space. Absolutely. And some people may call it a stunt or whatever, like when he launched the rocket with the Tesla and the Tesla's out there. That was pretty brilliant. Going. That it branding was, was, was amazing. Pretty cool. And so I feel like people who normally would not pay attention to what's happening with that program, suddenly he mm -hmm. has their attention. That's probably true because, you know, Boeing is also building a, a spacecraft that I doubt the public has paid nearly as much attention to mm -hmm. uh, because they don't get the press that uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX gets. Uh, but they're both, I think they're both very competent. Obviously, Boeing has lots of experience doing yeah. this. Uh, but at the same time, I'll, I'll throw out one last thought. They both had problems. They both had parachute issues and other technical glitches they've got to get resolved. You know, the goal is to have a, a, an automated test flight uh, next spring and summer for SpaceX and Boeing, respectively, before you put people on board. They've got to show this thing's going to work right before you, you know, you commit human lives to it. Uh, but if all goes well, as they say, yeah. you know, by and next fall, both of these guys should have been in orbit by that point. Well, the other thing that's so ingenious, too, and I know you've been covering space for a long time. What was your first launch? My first launch was as the reporter for the University of Tennessee Daily Beacon. And it was STS-2, the second shuttle flight, back oh in 1981. God. Okay, so did you ever think we would see a day where we would see a rocket launch and then land no. back on no. a... Isn't I can answer that, that immediately. Isn't that the most no. amazing thing It is the thing craziest to thing to see. Um, the science fiction rocket takes off and lands like a rocket, okay? And, and back earlier, uh, there was a spacecraft where they were testing that could do something like that, but nobody ever did it. Yeah. And uh, SpaceX has pulled that off. That is an impressive feat. Uh, whether that's a business model that makes sense in the long term, I don't know. I'm not a, an economist, but that is a, 
That's a jaw-dropping feat to watch that happen. You know, it's, I mean, it looks like a movie running backwards. You know, yes. it's like I, I can't even understand it with my brain when I watch <laughs> it. Is there now? I know that this is high-level stuff, but I mean, is there any way to describe to people how difficult of an engineering feat it would be? to make that happen. Well, it's kind of like, you know, balance a pencil on this table on its point and keep it upright. <laughs> you know, because you've got this long thing coming down and, you know, it's all, it's computers, yeah. the thrusters, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a remarkable achievement that they pull this off. And, you know, he, and that has really changed modern spaceflight because now everybody's looking at it. The Chinese are developing reusable rockets. Uh, the new rocket uh, United Launch Alliance is going to use to replace the Atlas Five, Atlas Four, pardon me, the Atlas Five and the Delta Four. The engines separate and come back down for, for recovery. Uh, the Europeans are investigating that. So SpaceX is really shaking things up yeah. uh, in terms of how you think about it, how you execute these things for this whole idea of reusability and to lower the cost. And when they landed the two at the same time, oh my I was gosh. like, you're just I, showing I, I, off now. Get out of here. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. That's ridiculous. It, 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 but that's yeah. what I mean. More, more people are interested in seeing that. Like, I, I still love watching the launch, but when I know they're going to try and land it on a drone, that's the part I really want to see. And you get that, you get those double sonic booms like the shuttle used to. Oh get. yeah, so that's yeah, fun. That's yeah, a lot of fun. that is good stuff. Yeah. Now, with all of these companies and all these rockets coming to Florida, it's got to be energizing. Absolutely. The the amount of people out there. What what are you seeing as far as the yeah. building and the structures? It's uh, it's really remarkable. Now, uh, I'll preface all this by saying you're never going to see employment levels like they had back during the shuttle. Okay. Uh, the reason the shuttle was, was, was called off was because of how expensive it was. Mm -hmm. And that was this huge standing army of people that they had to service it. That said, uh, since the shuttle retired and everybody kind of left, mm -hmm. uh, there is a, a big influx of people now for, uh, for both SpaceX, uh, which, which where they launched their rockets out of here. They've got two launch pads they're doing. Uh, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, uh, his, his company, Blue Origin, which he's financing, he says, with a billion dollars of his own money every year. They've just finished a 650,000-square-foot rocket factory right outside the Kennedy Space Center where they're going to build his rocket called the New Glenn and then launch it over from Cape Canaveral. That'll be competing directly with SpaceX and with United Launch Alliance in the, in the early to mid-2020s. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a renaissance or a resurgence, I guess is a better word, of uh, people and ideas and equipment coming over to the, to the Space and Coast. Money. It's, it's really exciting. And money, no question. Wow. Yeah, and that's really, you know, you say it'll never be the way it was before, but certainly it's attracting a, a new kind of uh, folk Absolutely. or people to the, to the Space Coast. Yeah. No, no question. It's a, it's a really exciting time over there. And like I said earlier, we're really right on the cusp of this. You know, it's all just on the verge of turning from drawings to buildings to rocket ships uh, that'll be flying out of there pretty soon. And, and there was a worry for a minute there, I know I had it, that hey, if, this, if there's this whole big restart with the shuttle program turning to public, could they move it to somewhere else? And then I heard some of the founder, you know, some no. of the big higher ups saying, ah, oh, we'd like to do this in Texas or California. Well, well, California is if you want to launch something into polar orbit, okay? So if you've got a spy satellite or a weather satellite that needs to go around Earth's poles, that's where you got to launch it from, from the U.S., to avoid flying over populated areas. You don't want to do that. Okay. Uh, when you launch out of the Kennedy Space Center or the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, you can't reach those orbits without flying over a populated area, and you don't want to do that with big rockets loaded with fuel. Sure. Um, but SpaceX is building a launch site uh, near Brownsville, Texas, for, for uh, commercial launches uh, that will launch out over the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and, of course, you got Wallops Island, Virginia, where mm -hmm. another company, Rocket Lab, just, just uh, announced they're going to use a pad up there 
uh, for one of their commercial rockets. And then, of course, you've got the Cape. So it's, uh, it, it has diversified, but, but I don't think anything will ever replace uh, the Kennedy Space Center and the Air Force Station. It's yeah. just the infrastructure's in place. And, of course, that's where NASA's going to be launching their big rockets where they've got all the communications gear and, and things like that. So I don't, I don't think that's changing. Good. You know, the one thing I... I was in Houston when they announced the, the crews for Boeing, uh, the Starliner, mm-hmm. and SpaceX Dragon crew. What is it about something like that? There was a feel at the, at the Johnson Space Center. It was one of those things where you're just so proud <laughs> to be, be in the company of those folks. You're proud to be American. What is it about space that, that brings that out of us? Well, it's I- the one thing that unites us all. You know, I think it, all, it goes all the way back to Apollo. It goes back to the Mercury 7 astronauts, the right stuff, you know, Tom Wills' famous phrase. Uh, you know, the clean-cut American super achievers in school and in public service. And that really hasn't changed. Even though the programs have changed, you know, they're selecting the cream of the crop to be astronauts. I mean, these are people that didn't waste any time in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> or I've always thought. Yeah, sure. No spring know, breaks for them. No parties. Or, yeah, they're, they're very serious and, and very... Uh, they are people to be proud of, no question about it. And they still are. And the astronauts that they named to fly on the, the Boeing and the SpaceX things, uh, it's the same thing. They're extraordinarily accomplished people, and, and you're right. They, they make you proud that, they're, that you're from the country that produced these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to change. I think there's a mystique about the astronaut uh, that, that it's diminished over the years for sure, but... Uh, I think you ask anybody about these people, and they all feel the same way, just exactly yeah, what you Yeah, you know, and you get a chance to chat with some of them, and it is incredible to me how they come off sometimes until you start talking space stuff. They come off just like regular people because they yeah. talk about their families, and they talk about what they oh, like to sure. do when they're not in space. And for a minute, you forget, like, okay, you're going to have a, a rocket strapped to your back, and you're going to be <laughs> launched into space, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. You know, I was, I was just thinking, Nicole Mann, who's one of the astronauts they named for these flights, is a, uh, she's a rookie, but, you know, she's also a military test pilot. Yes. You know, these people have great operational experience, as NASA would put it. Uh, so I, I've always thought about that. You know, you live in Houston or you live in Clear Lake, you know, down where they are near the Space Center. And you can picture these guys talking across their back fits. Well, how is your day today? Oh, well, you know, we took off in our Essex. No, you know, yeah. Yeah. they are different. No question about and it. And somebody else is like, well, I just warmed my pee at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, we're, we're not, not going, we're not there. going back there. I'm not going back there. <laughs> we left that one. Yeah, All right. we've launched. I had to bring it back Yeah, around. exactly. Talk a little bit about the mission to Mars. I know we've been seeing some setbacks in that program mission to mars now i i'm a skeptic because i think that uh the money it will take to do that safely uh with human beings i can't see how it could possibly happen before the mid 30 2030s wow and that's just orbit i mean to land on mars safely uh the technology development that's going to be required i mean one of the things nasa is trying to do right now uh with these commercial crew program and other initiatives they're trying to get the private sector more involved in exploiting space uh, so that it's not a purely government-funded taxpayer initiative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great idea. That plus the model of the space station, bring other countries in mm-hmm. for sure, because I think sending a, an expedition to Mars is going to be so expensive. No matter how you do it, uh, you have really going to have to have participation from other countries and private industry. It's got to step up. Sure. Uh, so I think if they can open up the lo- low Earth orbit, which is what they're hoping to do, <clears throat> Excuse me. We didn't talk about it, but both SpaceX and Boeing are free to use their spacecraft for purely commercial reasons. 
you know, if university researchers or people from other countries want to book a flight on their own, they can like do we that. just have enough money to, you know, yeah. go to however space. much that flight costs. Yeah. So, you know, and people have paid, you know, fifty million dollars for a ride on the space station. If 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 something can happen to lower the cost of getting into space, then Mars might happen while I'm still young enough to enjoy it <laughs> uh, and be covering it. And yeah. be covering it. But that's a it's a it's a really steep challenge. It's easy to talk about. But when it comes down to actually sending people to Mars, that is a really difficult challenge. You know, six to eight months one way, you can't turn around and come back like Apollo 13, you know, and be back in a week. Yeah. You know, this is years. You know, a year, you know, you'd spend time there and come back. It's just a daunting challenge technologically to have equipment that life support systems that simply can't fail. And we're nowhere near that right now. No, I don't think so at all. Uh, we may get there, but it's going to take all of these things happening to make it possible. Are you a fan of space tourism? I am a fan of it. I, th I think I have the feeling that it's a great idea. It's just it's time is not yet. There has to be a more reliable, more affordable way to get to orbit than we have right now. Even with SpaceX, you know, they've lowered the cost of a rocket dramatically, but it's still $60 million, you know, yeah. for, a, for a basic rocket. And you've still got to have somewhere to go, you know? I mean, you can't just go to the station because you want to. Sure. I mean, that's a government international operation laboratory. Uh, they've talked about privatizing it or trying to privatize parts of it. Uh, a man named Robert Bigelow out in Las Vegas wants to build a commercial space station. Maybe that could happen. But, but to me, for tourism to work, you've got to have a place to go. And it's, and it's got to be more affordable than it is now. I think it'll get there sooner or later. I just think it's a, it's a little bit ahead of its time, in my view. Others disagree. Yeah, unless you're yeah. a Japanese businessman. Yeah, then well, so. you just have money <laughs> to burn. Yeah. 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 Well, the whole point of commercial tourism there has to be enough people to make it called tourism. One or two people yeah. flying, that's, that's not, not it. Yeah. You know? I keep waiting for the day we're watching the rocket out there and it's got a big Coca-Cola <laughs> on the side. Like <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's driving. coming, right? Oh, is well, there something stopping yeah, that? You know, uh, it's funny you said that. The NASA administrator, Jim Bridenstine, has actually talked about the possibility of selling space, you know, even, even endorsements. Uh, like athletes do, for example. Mm -hmm. um, the astronaut, like, this is the greatest Starbucks there's been a There's been, I think, a backlash against that, but they're serious about looking at it, so who knows? You may, you may see that someday. Hey, if it comes down to dollars and cents. Yeah, yeah, if you're infusing cash into a program and they need the money. If it helps, so. Yeah, if it does. Yeah. So there has been talk about that. You know, when the shuttle program was up and running, uh, we were very close to sending a journalist mm -hmm. uh, up with one. You know, we, we saw the They teacher. had selected yeah. 10 finalists yeah, at the time yeah. Challenger went down. Is that something you see happening again? And if they do, do you would you be one of those people who would want to do that? <laughs> I'm way too old for that. <laughs> I um, never. I think that, uh, I think they will, absolutely, yeah. uh, on commercial ships. Uh, you know, we've been talking only so far about orbital craft by SpaceX and, and Boeing and others. Um, Jeff Bezos is Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic. That's the company owned by Sir Richard Branson. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them are building suborbital spacecraft to carry tourists up into space for a few minutes of weightlessness, and then you come back down. I have no doubt there will be journalists on those flights, uh, you know, either because their company's paid for the ride or because, you know, the owner of the spacecraft wants to publicize it. But I think journalists are going to be in space at some point, no question. Ginger's next question is, can you put in a good word for her? <laughs> I'll be happy to. Hey, Bill's like, I'm too old for this, but this lady, Ginger, she would love to do it. Give her a one-way ticket. She's ready. She's ready. <laughs> I, would I would approve of that. Send her to Mars, Bill. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> no, I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. No yeah. question. I, ju cool. I just always found that fascinating, and, and some people may not see the value in that, but I, I feel like... You know, it's, it's funny. I used to think about that back when there were 10 finalists for the shuttle, and... and 
I didn't have five years professional experience at that point, which was one of their requirements. And so I could not enter that competition. But I remember thinking, like, say you won it. Yeah. Man, the pressure would be on you to write, like, the greatest story <laughs> yeah, that could ever I, be written. <laughs> you know, like, Don't miss that deadline. Oh, yeah. man. Can you imagine? I mean, da- you need some more gnat sound in there is what the bosses would be yelling <laughs> at no you. Going back. There'd, there's be, no some, going there'd back. be some pressure because all your colleagues would be going, is that the best you could do? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, well, I could have written that, anyway. that so much better. <laughs> yeah. This was a fantastic conversation. I really yeah. enjoyed this. Uh, it is just, I mean, I feel smarter just being next to the guy. Uh, of come course. On, come on. No, no, seriously. I, I hope well, you agree. To, fun. Yeah, I hope you agree to come back and, and oh, chat sure. with us when some other things start We'll leave out the 7-Eleven stories Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I know. We're sorry. You deserve better. Yeah, you do. But we real gin anyway. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much. Pleasure. It was an honor having you at our little round desk. Ginger, you're always the best. Thanks, I'm Matt man. Austin. This is Florida's Fourth Estate. <laughs>